Welcome to another episode of the Different Spokes Podcast. My name is Matt Smith. Today's guest is Devin Zangari. He's a Reading native, now living in Downingtown, PA, and he's a BMX historian of sorts. He invited me over to his awesome garage where he has lots of cool things that explain the history of bike riding. Uh, This podcast was super informative and a lot of fun, and I really appreciate uh, Devin inviting me out to his place. So without further ado, here we go. Devin Zangari, Different Spokes. What's up? Check. (laughs) So we are set. Awesome. Bree's going in. Devin? Devin Zangari? (laughs) Zangari? Zangari. Zangari. So I said it right the first time. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for being being on the show. Thank you for inviting me to your house. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's, like I said, this is a dream of mine. I'm stoked. Cool. And uh, how, just a little backstory, how we know each other is probably through Vazo, the Reading area. Definitely. Shillington, West Lawn people. Yeah. So did you grow up with Vazo? Like, were you guys like friends like right off the bat? So <clears throat> this is actually, and John, if John's listening, he'll love that I'm telling this story. So, uh, funny thing is, kind of, John may very well be, like, responsible mm-hmm. for, like, getting me into BMX. Because when I met him, he was, like, there was, like, three dudes in my area that were riding BMX. Um, John was one of them. And there was, like, this little rail at a church, like, a block away from my house. And I saw them there one time, and I just, like, stopped. I'm on, like, a giant mountain bike. Yeah. And um, John's, like, I think his cranks came loose. And he came over to me. He just saw me standing there, and he was like, hey, do you have, like, a 5 mil Allen key? And I was like, I don't, but, like, my house is right there. I'll go grab one. Hmm. And I, like, wanted to just be in with these dudes so bad that I, like, (laughs) sprinted back to my house on my bike. And like ran him up this five mil and he was just like thanks man and i was like i think that's it like i think i'm i think i'm in <laughs> <laughs> but yeah then we started to like i got a bmx bike and just kind of found those guys and was adopted in but yeah yeah so met him kind of weird set of circumstances i think you had an edwin frame at one point too i think that's when i first met you yeah Maybe. Yeah, Purple Edwin. And we rode uh, Temple, maybe? Did we ride Temple together? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was in the, the Philly days. When the Hog House was coming, maybe, I think that's what it was. John was like, my buddy Devin's coming. It might have been, you guys still might have been at the Art Institute. Yeah. Yeah. When I met you, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Shit. yeah, and then the Hog, by, yeah, by the Hog House, we had known each other for a while. Yeah. MySpace friends and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. And you have quite the the BMX archive in this garage right now, too. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of happened, like, pretty organically. Um, because I just... My mom actually is responsible for, like, most of this. Because she's... My mom just is kind of a hoarder. Mm-hmm. And she just took all this stuff and, like saved it oh shit really and one day she was just like hey there's like a couple tupperware bins of your stuff in the basement and i went down and opened it up and it's like all my old ride bmx is like a bunch of like signed 
BMX posters, like... Damn. And it was like, thank you so much for saving this. Yeah. Anybody could have just tossed it. That's what I mean. Like, a lot of those posters are just, like, they literally came out of the inside of a BMX magazine. I had that Fuzzy Hall one. <laughs> right? Yeah. Damn. That's wild. So, uh, do you want to talk about... Do you want to go right into, like, the first topic you had on the outline, or do you want to talk about maybe how you kind of got more in, into it? Because, like, this, the era that... You have a lot of stuff that's a little bit before your era, right? Yeah. Or, like, from the time of when you started. Yes. Yes, so that is... Um, it's a lot of it, like, actually sitting right here is kind of... That was the gateway right there, 85 Skyway Street Beat. Um, I actually was with a friend and we went to his friend's house, right? Um, and we walked into the basement and in the basement, this guy just had a bunch of like old school BMX bikes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Like I'd always been into it, mm -hmm. but like, I just thought like, I'll just pretty much never see them. I'll never have enough money to collect them. Like it's probably so expensive to get into that. And I saw this and I was like, dude, I didn't know you were into like old school BMX and he's a skateboarder mm -hmm. and he was like yeah he was like kind of just talking to me about like the history he was like I just kind of want to like keep this chunk of history you know and like talking about like essentially protecting it mm -hmm. and we got into it and he was like I'm trying to actually sell that one he was like do you want it and I bought that one for like 220 bucks and that was like it after that, it was just like, this is what I want to do. So that was like your first bike? That was, that was my first like collector bike. Okay. Like a bike that I was like, I'm going to ride this occasionally, but I just want to keep it mm -hmm. nice. Damn. The first collector piece. Yeah. Um, and he's he's into um, a bunch of stuff. Like he's like a, one of, a shoe guy. Mm -hmm. He's collects like vintage decks and stuff like that but um yeah he's essentially responsible for getting me into like wanting to collect stuff mm. he actually do you know uh lebo's bike shop that sounds mad familiar in reading yeah 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 so um that guy has like all this crazy new old stock like in the basement and chet actually um like talked him into like letting him go like down there and that's a lot of this stuff is essentially pulled out of the basement and it was like brand spanking new wow like just sitting there um must be a pretty dry basement huh right yeah that's what i'm surprised it came out in as good a condition as it did mm -hmm. yeah um so like you you kind of had a passion for it enough like so much so that you decided to start collecting items from from BMX yeah it it, it kind of goes back to I have this saying that I use a lot it's a common saying but uh, know your roots mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it's one of those things that if if you're super passionate about something I, I feel you're kind of have a responsibility to know its history and like where you fit into it in the grand yeah. scheme of things um, right well the weed whacker? It's not bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, Can you hear yourself all right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just I wanted to know 
like where I fit into these things and that's when I found 80s BMX I just like really related to it um, because it was like new you know and excited like I related to it as in just wishing I could have been there yeah it's like getting into 80s hair metal you're like like when I first found out about Motley Crue I was like oh I wish I could have been around when they were around like that would have been sick to see that right yeah yeah, to go, like, we were watching some old school videos, like, mm-hmm. there are kids, like, hanging out on the top of, like, box trucks and stuff, like, watching these legends of BMX, and they kind of have, like, no idea what they're witnessing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just kids that are stoked on bikes. Yeah. Um, and it was packed like a ghetto street comp. Totally. Um, yeah. And that's, like, I feel like that died off, and, like, it came back, like, in ghetto street comps. Yeah. You know, and like people were just like psyched on it again, and yeah, I just, it's just like that era. So like, as soon as you met Vazo and you kind of got like indoctrinated into into it, you're like, this is cool. I need to know more. Yeah, and I take it as like the kind of the respect thing, the responsibility thing. Like BMX has done so much for me mm-hmm. personally. It's given me so many good times so many like my best friend i met from riding a kid's bicycle Mm -hmm. you know like it's done so much for me i feel a responsibility to kind of like have this stuff and share it with people and kind of let people know this is how it all started yeah and i feel like it's so easy for people to just forget about it or throw it away or because people People kind of, this is maybe me getting on a little bit of a tangent, but like, like even though it's like filming clips, there's people that are like, no, I don't want to fuck, I just want to ride. Like, like yeah. they don't care about anything but the actual, the simple act of riding. Right. And it's, it's so easy to, to let everything else fall to the side. And then before you know it, you're 40 and you don't have proof of anything. Yeah. <laughs> but you did do stuff and you really connected with certain things. And it's like, you kind of want to hold on to all of that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, Another reason too why I have, like my current bike is a remake of an 85 Haro FST. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time when I ride at some place, it's a dad or something that'll come up to me and be like, I had this exact bike when I was a kid. And like, that's awesome that I can, that I have the opportunity to take a, somebody's dad back to that place. You know what I mean? Yeah. To give him like the stoke that he had when he was riding that 85 FST in the heyday. Um, But it's also like when I'm riding a bike with like mags on it at the Mm -hmm. park and kids come up to me and they're like, like, what kind of wheels are those? Like one kid asked me if I made them myself. One kid was like, did you make those yourself? Um, But like kids just don't know what mags are. Mm -hmm. And they might think that like, oh yeah, these are those things that come on like Walmart bikes. Mm -hmm. They don't realize like, in 85 86 they were like the wheel to have yeah and there wasn't there like an expensive like carbon fiber set that was pretty pricey yeah oh there was like spin mags and stuff that came out like skyway did graphites and things like that um but yeah ultimately like mags are a serious love hate thing when you start getting into old school stuff yeah like i love them but there are people that are like mags are the worst thing that ever happened to a bmx bike <laughs> yeah I, I remember thinking like man I wish they would come back 
like but lighter right or, or like when I first got into like a dance cup and I saw the mags or when micro drive was happening I was like because you couldn't get a nine tooth and a fucking mag at the same time right and I was like man that would be so sick if you could have like a new school setup with like the old school look yeah and now 2019 that shit's starting to happen yeah that that horror lineage shit it's like I remember having the the little uh, pr- um, catalog from the bike shop that had like the blammo in it yes. and all that shit and to see the, the revo the zippo yeah yeah and to see like the lineage shit come out now I'm like that shit actually looks really good it, it looks awesome yeah. yeah and it's it's again there are people that are riding right now that just don't relate to that and they don't really get that kind of like it doesn't bring them back to a place that it would bring somebody that like me I was on the edge of this stuff Mm -hmm. you know like I saw this stuff like and it's probably it's last days of really being used right it was on its way out when you were when you had it yeah yeah um so uh, yes. So for me to like be able to get this in, it's also like the geometry from back then. Like the geometry from back then is it's like it's garbage. <laughs> like I don't know how these guys were riding these things. Yeah, it's like a doing... nineteen-inch top tube, you know. It's like a sixteen-inch rear end. Right. Um, so, like I love the way that bike looks. I love the aesthetics, but I I can't ride it mm-hmm. like. Um, so when they came out with like modern geometry, but like the old school look, I was like, this is it. This is everything I've ever wanted. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of surprised there's not more people doing that. Well, I think a lot of people are kind of jumping like GT. Yeah. Just started doing it. Um, they have like performers coming out with front row up. Kaczynski just posted. Oh shit. Really? Yeah. He was posting, um, doing old front brake stuff on like a 86 performer. What? Yeah. But they just came out with. So it's got like mid bottom bracket and internal headset and shit too. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's all like wow. brand spanking new. That's what's up. I know it's very cool, but again, I think it's the older riders that are mm-hmm. relating to that. And there's a lot of, I think, like I want to say, kids that are riding now that that just that doesn't mean a goddamn thing to them. Yeah, but I bet you some kids are like, that's different than all the shit I've been used to. I'm into it for that reason too. True, true. You know? very true. Somebody like Angus might be so stoked on it just for the just for the fact that it's it's not what's currently coming out. Right. You know. Yeah, and honestly, if you're if you relate to it on that level, like uh, more power to you. Like just having it come back would be. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, you mentioned um, in your outline not being that good, but still being super passionate about it. When did? When did you kind of feel that? Like you were like, um, where were you riding with everybody and you kind of saw where everybody was going? You're like, I don't think I'm going to just send it like that kind of thing. Or Yeah. And um, again, it goes back to kind of the people that I grew up riding with. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there was a couple guys that were like on my level, but I, like, I feel like a lot of the guys that I rode with, like Derek Prower. It's like one of the most gifted bicycle riders I've ever come in contact with. Um, like John, John has always been like crazy good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just felt like knowing that I was never going to get to that level, but also not really like 
wanting to. Like, mm-hmm. I was very happy in the environment and, like, being with those guys and, like, just having fun on my bike. Yeah. It wasn't like you were just sitting there bitching. You were, like, you're still doing your own thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like, I'm never going to do a 10-foot air, but I'm still having a ton of fun on my bike. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was just, like, the camaraderie and, like, honestly, like, the brotherhood mm-hmm. that I feel like we all feel with our, like, really close BMX friends. Yeah. For the longest time, if you... You didn't even know, like when I started riding, I didn't know what happened outside of my, outside of what I knew. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know other people did it. Yeah. And then you see a video and you're like, oh shit, okay. You know, you meet other people from other towns. Okay. So like, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe there's somebody else that likes the same thing I do. Yeah. And you would, um, I like back in the day too, you would just hear like, yo, this kid from this other town, like did that rail that you were looking at. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was always just something I was like, this is a part of, this is a part of me. Like BMX is, is, it was really like everything as a kid. And I think like the passion came from not to get like too deep here, but I never really played any team sports mm-hmm. and BMX to me was kind of like this, like almost like foster home you know what I mean yeah yeah like it like took these kids and it's like dude if you don't really fit into this group like we'll take you yeah you know like come ride a BMX bike you don't need to be doing anything there was so much individuality allowed to to exist you're like oh I could I could go in there yeah absolutely um because like I there were kids that rode BMX with me when I was younger that were like they would go to school and they would be like first string football players Mm -hmm. but like outside of that like you were like a BMX rider like everybody was riding a BMX bike and it didn't matter once you were on that BMX bike you were just like you were a rider you were just everybody else yeah you know which which I loved because as we all know like being in school you know it's so clicky and like if you're not doing this or whatever, like you're not accepted. And kids, kids are cruel, you know, back Dude, in the day. Dude, high school was ruthless, you know? Like it was absolutely brutal. I remember kids just walking around like yanking books out of people's hands just for the fuck of it, you know? Yeah. Rude, random shit. Um, so yeah, that's like the passion just came from me feeling completely accepted mm-hmm. on a BMX bike. Yeah. Now, um, you're 31? 33. You're 33, sorry. That's all good. <laughs> I don't know why. I always thought you were younger than me. You just got like a young look. But, um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but um, you kept going, and your passion didn't stop. You were like, all right, I'm still going to kind of do my own thing. I'm not going to go. I'm not shooting for pro, but I'm still going to kind of do my own thing. But then you eventually picked up mountain biking, MTB. Yeah. Um, So it's actually, it kind of like went full circle, but it went backwards from the way a lot of people do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, a lot of people will get into BMX racing, Mm -hmm. and like, BMX racing will evolve into mountain bike racing or road bike racing. Like, I was a mountain bike racer, and then saw some kids riding BMX, and I was like, I enjoy riding bikes. Like, those look fun. Yeah. So, got a BMX bike, but then was still racing mountain bikes. Okay. And didn't realize that all of this, like, 
bike control that I was developing from doing BMX type moves, you know, tricks, whatever, yeah, was totally helping me with mountain bike racing. Yeah. Um, and then eventually like road bike racing. Um, but yeah, it kind of, it went full circle because the mountain bike was kind of, the mountain bike's just like kind of serious. Mm -hmm. Like I was in it for the racing. Nobody was really like just going out trail riding mm -hmm. in my circle of friends yet. I was doing it for the racing. And then like you got into BMX and it was just like hanging out with your buddies. Yeah. Like at like a playground or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, oh man, this is like the total opposite. Yeah, it's a little more low key. To way, way more low key. Um, so then that eventually came back around into me like not wanting to race as much. Because mm -hmm. it was like, man, racing, I'm like, I'm on the clock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I got to be serious <laughs> and like, um, so I probably could have been a little bit better at mountain bike racing but i just wanted to like as a kid you know i just yeah. wanted to hang out with my friends and and ride bmx bikes now were you getting sponsored as a, as a race mountain bike racer at all so there's actually like a couple jerseys up there that's kind of like goes through my racing career um green mountain cyclery in africa hooked me up i was like on the b team and then that third jersey in was kind of like as like semi pro kind of not not really but um, for a team in Reading, mm -hmm. uh, they were not semi pro but like dead serious like race team. Yeah. Um, and then eventually like just wanted to try some mountain bike racing again and went into Green Mountain Cycler and I was like hey I think I'm gonna get into mountain bike racing again and they're like cool like yeah you're on the team. Cause they helped me out at first so yeah they're happy to have me back which was awesome damn yeah wow huh but yeah for like six years i like raced damn. road bikes like every weekend uh went to like training camps in virginia and stuff and how old were you when you were doing this 2021 okay wow yeah was this did you go to college too mm-hmm what did you go to college for? Uh, photography. Photography. Mm -hmm. And where did you go? Uh, went to a place called Antonelli Institute. That sounds mad familiar. I think you might have told me this before. Yeah, it was in uh, Chestnut Hill. Okay. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, very similar to your college, is no <laughs> longer around. <laughs> yep. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's kind of gnarly. It's like, like we could just run this bill up, charge all these people. Yeah, and, and then... we're just going to bounce. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to do this anymore. Oh man, that's so stupid. Yeah. But you you were studying photography just because you were like interested in capturing some stoke, or so it's it's funny how that all came along too. Like as a high school kid, I just wasn't I didn't know what I wanted to be. You know, like mm -hmm. it was just kind of like letting things flow. Yeah. And then it was honestly it was like senior year and my mom was like like are you going to college are you applying to colleges i was like oh yeah i guess i should do that and i like applied to a bunch of like real colleges and like just wasn't having any luck yeah so then i like applied to antonelli and antonelli was kind of one of those colleges that was like if you have the money you're in you know like just pay us and you can come to school here yeah so i went to school for photography mm -hmm. um which i i did 
absolutely love, obviously, um, and my career is photography related um, as a lighting designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think about that often, like what I would have done if I could go back and like talk to 16 year old Devin, <laughs> like now with yeah. all my information. Yeah. Because I probably would have been like, listen, dude, you don't need to rack up a college tuition yeah. to do something meaningful with your life. You don't need a mortgage at 18. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Um, and also, it's I always think about like how much I love like tinkering on stuff and like um, machining or mm-hmm. whatever. And if somebody would have told me in high school, like, hey, you could go to college and rack up like $60,000 in debt. Or you could go to this place and learn how to run a lathe for nothing Mm -hmm. and probably make more than the person that paid for college. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to take option two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a little bit of information. Yeah. But everybody, especially in, I feel like in our day, it was like, if you don't go to college, like you are, I I almost felt like you were like a failure Mm -hmm. if you didn't go to college. And that was the stigma and that was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and it wasn't like you could just Google, should I go to college? Like you couldn't just throw random questions into a search engine and get even the most remote tidbit of information back then. Right. There's ask Jeeves. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) You couldn't ask Jeeves if what the pros and cons were to Antonelli college just yet. Yeah. Like maybe you could have, but I don't think shit was out like that like now like 2019 when i google something and something comes up in 2014 that's like super beneficial and informative i'm like damn we really are standing on the shoulders of giants because like this information didn't even exist seriously five years ago yeah crazy i know um but it's like it makes you a little resentful Mm -hmm. you know because it's like i'm sitting here with uh like student loans Mm -hmm. that need to be paid yeah. Um, like, thankfully, my career is related, mm-hmm. um, but it's still like I, I just feel like nobody really gave me the other options. Nobody really spelled them out for me and said like, option B has no debt, option A has a ton of debt. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You, so you just kind of ran with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I have no... That's what I did too. <laughs> I, I honestly have no regrets. Yeah. Like, absolutely no regrets. Like, I have, like, you know, a house. I have an awesome job. Like, I have a family. Like, yeah. you can't really yeah, ask you, for Yeah, you make it more. work for yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you can sit here all day long and be like, coulda, woulda, shoulda. But that's not going to do anything but stress you out. Mm-hmm. So, why yeah. bother? But you're like, no, I still want, I still want to have this shit. You know, I still yeah. want to collect things and, yeah. and get things down. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, um, you have here different collector types for the vintage BMX kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah. Um, that's uh, So recently, I didn't know that Jason Enns was into this. Cool. Um, but <laughs> Jason Enns has totally become like my collector inspiration. Um, and it's mostly because Jason Enns rides what he collects. Mm. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that are taking stuff and like shoving it in a basement. And it's like, I mean, if that BMX bike could talk, mm-hmm. it would tell you like 
this is the last fucking thing I want to do yeah. is sit in a basement somewhere. It's like I I want to be out like I want to be ridden, you know? Yeah. Um, but Jason ends goes out like he collects and he rides everything. He is this one this one caption that stuck with me. Uh, and it was like, while well, all you guys are worried about new old stock, I'm like, see you losers in the streets. <laughs> and he's like riding this like old, I think it was like an old GT, and he's like thrashing it, dude. Um, but it's like that's what it, that bike was meant for. Yeah. You know, like, don't hide it. Ride like they're it. trying to protect the resale value kind of of it. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's like, I feel like that's exactly the opposite like granted there is some stuff that i'm like that's a huge piece of history and that needs to be in a glass case somewhere Mm -hmm. um but i mean otherwise like this even this street beat like it's it's just a skyway street beat you know there's a a billion of them made Mm -hmm. it's really like it's nothing special unless that bike really means something to you yeah you have like that's that, that's what they say about collectors like oh, who's gonna buy this somebody who has a connection to it yes you know yeah and that's like if someone has a huge connection to that and like let's say i have like the last one in existence like sure that bike is you know worth a million dollars but as it stands right now it's just another skyway street beat mm-hmm. um same with like whenever i go out and ride my old haros like my master and stuff people are like i can't believe you're riding that and I'm like, Haro just made these two years ago. They made up <laughs> hundred thousand of them. It's not that big of a deal, you know. Yeah. Like, get out. It was made to be ridden. Is that they, the green one? Yeah. Yeah, like they would have just made it, 1986 geometry if they didn't intend for people to ride it today. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of collector types that are like they'll get super aggro about like oh, I can't believe you'd put that Odyssey seat on there like I can't believe you would put this on there that on there and I'm like that is never what BMX was supposed to be yeah BMX was supposed to be like rad bike man like it's cool that you did this yeah and yeah there's just some like oh, like on BMX museum you'll go on there and there's just like some angry old dudes <laughs> that'll just be like oh man I get back in my day like we would have only ran this or it's like I I don't care man like I just want to have fun like what like are you the, doing here yeah I feel like those kind of people exist in everything it's like what the fuck do you guys have to do that you're just yeah. a complete salt cube right now seriously like, um, and it's like I mean go get into model trains or something you know what I mean <laughs> That's like, the best fucking. That's the best thing you could have said. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go go play with model trains if you really give that fuck of like. Seriously. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is like it's it's BMX like, it's anything you want it to be. And it's you know, freestyle. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fucking freestyle. It actually says it on the goddamn bike. I know. Yeah. Biggest could be. It's the biggest word on there. Freestyler. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like Jason Ends is totally my inspiration. Like uh, Shad too. Mm-hmm. Like Shad is super into collecting, and um, that guy like rides his old bikes. You know, like he's out in like full pipes and stuff in them. Like, and that's 
awesome. That's where that bike is meant to be. That's, That's probably, what that bike was made for. Yeah, it's probably like you're, you're like this this Dino Air. Like if you rode the full pipe with the Dino Air, you literally know what it feels like to be that guy. So, exactly. That was in the old videos, so like you you get to really really relive that kind of moment. Yeah, and um, that's again not to get like too. I don't even know what you'd call it, but I, I just want, like, when I go out and I ride that bike, like, that's the energy I'm looking for, you know, mm -hmm. is, like, just kind of feel that, mm -hmm. you know, like, go back to, like, BMX was started on these bikes. Yeah. And to go back and know, it's kind of, so here's a good analogy. So it's kind of like all these people that are getting into um, videography or photography now that are okay. shooting digital, have never touched film. They don't know the struggle. Yeah. You know, like our forefathers created you know, everything that we're doing right now on these bikes that feel like garbage to us as far as the geometry goes. Mm -hmm. Like they were doing the gnarliest stuff. And they were like, what What? What else can I figure out? I think I just learned something. What's a Miami hopper or some yeah. shit, you know? Um, it's also, you go back and you look at it like, Oh man, I feel like this is gonna break. It probably did, and that's pro that's why our bikes are built the way they are now. Mm -hmm. You know, because all that stuff broke. Like they were astronauts; they were figuring all that <laughs> stuff out. Yeah, yeah. Like they were like, "Oh man, these caliper brakes are garbage. Like we, we should figure out a different way to do this." Yeah. U brakes. Um, yeah. Do you know when those when those came around or how they came around? No. So I don't know like the history of. U-brakes. Mm. Um, I know the gyro, I think the gyro was 85. Um, and <laughs> guys back then were just, um, essentially, you would just tangle your cables up. Like, you could only spin your cables once. Yeah, and there wasn't even linear. No. Linear was a long ways away. Well, that's like the POTS mod, like, essentially, like, the hole through the steerer tube. Mm -hmm. um, like, that came about because you couldn't even get them around once. With the front brake cable there right yeah and so somebody was like oh just stick that thing straight down through the steerer tube mm -hmm. but that's what i mean like that's why the respect needs to be there because those guys did all that work for us granted not many people ride brakes anymore mm -hmm. but all that work was done by guys that were taking equipment that wasn't meant for freestyle mm -hmm. and freestyling on it they, they just loved it enough to try and innovate Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I saw like a front brake cable like that, mm -hmm. like nicely done, like through the steer tube, and I was amazed. I was like, "That looks so sick!" Like, coming yeah. from somebody like who never saw it before, I was like, "What?" Right. That's just so cool looking. You you can just thread that on the inside, and you got no worries. Wow. But you also probably. Like, as a kid, you weren't thinking of why it needed to be like that. Yeah, I You were just know. like, oh, yeah, that's cool that they did that. But if it would have been routed around the front and you would have tried to spin your bars, you'd have been like, oh, I can't do that. Not at all. Yeah. So, yeah, like, a, a ton of respect to the old guys and knowing your roots because we wouldn't be sitting here talking about BMX without them. Yeah. And those angry old dudes can just go play with some model trains. Exactly. Because, yeah, this would, this part would be more official on this vintage bike, and that would be, but who cares? Dude, I've heard stories about, like, people being at um, bike shows, mm -hmm. 
and like people have like cracked open bottom brackets to check for like error correct grease good god yeah see yeah that that's like the other end of the spectrum of, of bike yeah. bike nerd totally wow but it's it's also like like i think i'm a huge just bicycle nerd in general not even bmx bikes just mm-hmm. bike nerd and i think that is you have just gone way too far you have just made this the least fun thing you right. could have made it yeah. you're checking for 1986 grease mm-hmm. like yeah go get a model train yeah and this and this is coming from a guy who's got a micrometer in his garage like yes like <laughs> he cares about things but there's a limit yes you know? like you you care about things we all care about things but there's like a limit to how much you really need to go in depth because yeah you're sucking the fun out of it then at mm-hmm. that point and that's not the point anymore right you know that never was the point to suck the fun out of it never was yeah. the point did it ever did it ever become unfun did you ever have like a, a moment where you're like kind of feel like hanging it up maybe i'm getting old kind of thing bmx in general or yeah. collecting uh bikes like riding bikes yeah no bmx not at all Cool. No, I actually, uh, it's funny, my wife and I just had a conversation about, um, like, how old I would be when I would still be riding, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't, I'll, I mean, I'll stop when I, like, physically can't do it. I was like, but I'll probably ride a kid's bike, like, forever, and to, because I was talking about somebody that, like, somebody said something to me about, like, oh, do people make fun of you when you go to the skate park because you're an old guy, and I'm like, No. There's like, people older than us riding too. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And I was like, Tony Hawk makes millions of dollars riding a skateboard. And he's like, what, 50 now? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? who put an age limit on this all of a sudden? Yeah. Like, are you putting the age limit on it? S- society? Yeah. So you can do what? Binge watch Netflix? You know? Right. But it's also just like there's nobody writing any rules. So like it is totally just this like shitty like society outlook on skateboards and bmx bikes it's like oh you shouldn't be riding them when you're that old it's like you just made that up right now yeah because they can't ride yeah or or it's like because you don't have something that that you love as much as what i'm doing you know mm-hmm. um yeah it, just, it like bums me out but at the same time it no it's absolutely not gonna stop me yeah yeah that's cool yeah So, you were you spent two summers at Woodward. Yeah. Were they consecutive? Yeah. Um, so the first week was, or the first summer was two weeks, um, and I was uh, what was it? oh I was what's called a a D twelve, and it was essentially just like I was like this like a handyman slash janitor slash like landscaper, what? like they just had me do whatever. Is that so you could go for free or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, I worked there as that, um, and I guess they kind of do that to just kind of like test to see if they want to have you there as like a counselor. Yeah. Um, but I did that, and it was like it was actually, I think I had more fun doing that than like being a counselor, um, because I just hung out in like a golf cart all day. Yeah. Like me and this dude who didn't even he wasn't a skateboarder, wasn't involved in action sports at all. He just lived. Uh, near Woodward and worked there. It was just an easy place to get a job. 
Totally, yeah. He was wow. just like almost yeah. like a farm boy that just like worked at Woodward. So we would just like cruise around in this big golf cart all day and like fix a, fix a porch swing, like plunge a toilet. Yeah. And like we just did that for eight hours, and like the work was so sporadic that it was like I can't believe they're letting me stay here for free to like just hang out in a golf cart. <laughs> um, but then yeah, I could ride like after dark. Yeah. Um, and that's another going back to like not being that good but passionate about it because i mean after dark like the sessions at woodward are pretty heavy okay and it's like i was not at all a participant you know (laughs) but um you would go out and see like like bestwick or um like mira was there like you'd see these guys like on the ramps after hours and most of the time i was just like watching yeah you know like proud to be in the same skate park as these guys um but then the second year i went up like the entire summer and i was there as a counselor and like an on-site instructor Mm -hmm. which is essentially just the guy that sits at the skate park like i didn't instruct just like make sure kids don't get in fights kind of thing yeah make sure kids don't get in fights and like if someone like snaps their arm there was like a first aid button that you hit right and like called the infirmary yeah um but that was super cool because, like, in two weeks, I didn't really see that much go down. Mm-hmm. But, like, being up there for the whole summer, like, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, like, yeah. Steve Caballero, this is not BMX related, but Steve Caballero was there. Um, and I was in Lot 8, and Steve Caballero was there with, like, his daughter. And he was, like, showing his daughter, like, how to pump in the half pipe. And he was like, hey, could you show, like, her on your bike, like, what a pump is? And I, like, showed Steve Caballero's daughter, like, what a pump was in half pipe, um, which was, like, pretty cool. Damn. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it was also, like, the campers. Like, the campers were the best part because, like, you're just, like, a bunch of kids that were up at camp, like, having a blast on BMX bikes. Um, My favorite story from up there is uh, as a counselor i had to sleep in the front of the cabin like next to the door so i could hear if kids were sneaking out but there was a single window in the back and the one night i like woke up to like some ruckus and there's this single window is blocked by these like cubbies and bunks that are running down the center so i couldn't see so i stand up and i see three kids with like one of the shitty uh mattresses folded in half pushed halfway out the window and I was like, what the hell are you kids doing? And they were like, we were about to take this and we were going to use it to sled down the B3 vert ramp roll in. And I was like, all right, go ahead. And they were like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. I was like, dude, black op. I was like, if you get caught, I never approved this. And they were like, okay, cool. And, <laughs> and me and like all the other kids, all the other kids oh, were awake, God. just hoping I didn't wake up. But we all were like crowded around this window and we watched these kids like run down through this field with a mattress over their heads. And we see the mattress like pop up to the top of the B3 Roland. The B3 Roland is huge. Was it that wide too? No, it was literally only as wide as the mattress. And like, it was like, we're talking like a single, single mat- mattress. Yeah. Like okay. a single, like summer camp bunk mattress like mm-hmm. things yeah. garbage uh, <laughs> but these kids popped up and like the one kid there was three kids on it the one kid grabbed the front and like pulled it up like sled style yeah and they just bombed the vert ramp right like totally went off without a hitch 
and then like just sprinted back up and threw the mattress up in through the window <laughs> like we pulled them up into the window and like they never got caught but it was one of those things like in that moment i was like i could get in trouble for this but like these kids are never gonna forget that right yeah you That's know cool like that you had that foresight yeah I was like, if I, if I do get caught for this, like it's a sick story Mm -hmm. and these kids someday will be like, oh yeah, one time like at action sports summer camp. Yeah. Like I sledded down a roll in. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever rolled in a roll in yourself? No. There was a skate park in Harrisburg called Voodoo. Yeah. It was in Props Megator too. They had multiple rooms. They had a room with just a half pipe, like a legit 12-foot half pipe. Right. Another room of jump boxes, another room of nibble stuff, and then a second floor with a mini ramp. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Right there in Harrisburg. Yeah. I look back at it now. I mean, I learned how to dull peg stall there because they had so many different sized quarter pipes. But they had a roll-in, like dead center of the vert ramp. And I don't know why, but I just thought to myself, you just roll in like that looks like you should just be able to do it like i was not the ballsy person but i was like it just looks like you just roll in you right. should be straight dude like just do it yeah and i remember the bottom of my feet starting to sweat as soon as i started thinking about it but i was like i think i can do it you just roll right in you just hit your brakes you know i think i might have even seen like a girl do it or something and i was like i'll just do it but the rolling went down and then right when it went into vert it kind of peeled back like oververt oververt and then normal what and i went i went down i had brakes and right when i hit the brakes was when my tire was in that vacant oververt spot yeah so once i hit like the rest of it it like almost shot me out but then i hit the brakes so i almost like flipped forward like it was the most (laughs) scary thing i've ever done in my life and I just was like, I'm never, never I, doing that again. I think that exact possibility is why I avoided that. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like, you know, I've seen other people just roll right in casual. Right. That, that looks like it could just be easy. Like, like raise, like the roll into the box jumps that raise. Yeah. It's a little scary looking at first, but then once you get used to it, you're like, yeah, everybody's doing this. That's true. Yeah. And so I thought I could do that at the half pipe. No. I think with a half pipe, like the scariest part is like, there's it's just a wall on the other side. Yeah, that you was know? the other thing, because when you got to, you're like, yeah. Yeah, like if you can't handle that wall, like it's not going to go well. Yeah, you're better skid to it or something. Right, especially brakeless. Like the yeah. B3 roll-in brakeless, I, is a, that's a death trap. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Matt Hoffman was dropping in a like, yeah, mirror. Yeah, in retrospect, all those dudes that were running brakeless. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and Hoffman would do it and then do a trick that literally has never been repeated. Mm-hmm. You know, like, one-handed candy bar look-backs, like... Mm-hmm. The, the one-handed one-footers? Like, yes. pointing down to the ground. I always thought that looked cool. Like, it looked like it would feel cool. But like, can you imagine? Like, breakless, like, first you rolled in and then you're like, ah. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> he, do, he does them, like, so smooth, too. Like, just as, like, a filler trick. Yeah. And it's huge. Makes them look awesome. Yeah. That's so sick that you just, like, let these kids just slide down the, the roll. And... Yeah, so uh, there's uh, um, there's another story, too. Like, uh, <laughs> funny enough, Mike Spinner yeah. was one of my kids that was in my cabin. No fucking way. Yeah. 
Um, and it was funny because like my all my kids hated, like really? ha- couldn't stand yeah. Mike Spinner. Yeah. Um, and I got into the cabin the one day, and all the kids had like their trunks, like the classic Woodward trunk, mm-hmm. like piled against the bathroom door, and then they were standing against the trunks, and somebody was like pounding on the door, and I was like, "Who do you guys have in the bathroom?" And they were like, "Spinner," and I was like. All right, let him out. You know, like I took like an extra second, like yeah, because it was like yeah, he kind of deserves to be pinned in the bathroom. Um, so he was a little shit when he was a kid. He was like when he was there, he was like super super techy. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't, I think, like the Mike Spinner that he was at like the peak of his career, like doing ten eighties and stuff. He was like real jibby techy, like break stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and how old were you and what year was this? Uh, so that was 2003 um, because I was like two weeks late to my senior year of high school mm-hmm. because I was like finishing my two weeks at Woodward. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. It was you like, were in the last two weeks of like the six months or something? I was in the last two weeks of like my because they hired me for like the entire summer which ran like two weeks into my school year right gotcha um so and i like asked my i was like can i stay at woodward for two weeks and she was like yeah i don't care so i like got back and it was kind of cool like saying all my teachers were like oh look who decided to show up like two weeks late and they were like where were you and i was like action sports camp (laughs) and it was kind of just like what like, who goes to action sports camp? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... like it, no one even heard of it. In 2003, that was, like, very strange. Like, yeah. people were going to band camp and football camp. I was yeah. like, I went to action sports camp. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Damn. But, but, yeah, so I think I was, like, 16, 17. And Spinner was 14, 15. Wow. Yeah. And this was also the height of the titanium era? Oh, yeah. Or close to it? Yeah, so uh, that was a, a cool thing there was uh, the wheeling and dealing of, like, titanium parts was, like, the drug trade. <laughs> like, so because it was when all that stuff was coming out. Yeah. Like, do you remember? It was just, like, titanium everything. Yeah, once it started, it, it didn't stop. Yeah, I remember, like, some kid... Um, for a while that was like in the cabin so there was two like two the cabin was divided into two halves and the second half was this other BMXer um, and he was like dude I just got a uh, a titanium spindle from Kevin Porter oh shit because Kevin Porter was there and he had the titanium sprocket oh yeah the signature KP sprocket like Kevin Porter had all the titanium goods. Yeah. <laughs> and this kid was like so stoked that he just got a titanium spindle. And I just remember thinking at that time too, I was like, man, that sounds risky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I just never wanted to like that. I wasn't into that. Like the t- I wanted a light bike, but I wasn't like these people are getting crazy with it. Like yeah. titanium, like pedal pins and shit like that. Yeah. Bolts, nuts, yeah. spokes. And it's like, dude, you're never going to feel titanium pedal pins like yeah it doesn't make any difference i was guilty of the titanium uh, spindle i pre-ordered it as soon as oh really they were available because i saw on dance that they were literally half the weight it is a huge chunk of weight like if you're gonna if you're gonna invest that might be the best place to do it bang for the buck probably you're right and remember like 
like feeling the bike and the bike didn't feel heavy in the center anymore like just picking it up i was like wow but just real quick my little experience with titanium yeah long story short i ran that spindle forever and ever and ever really yeah and eventually the splines kind of tweaked oh. so my cranks were never quite straight okay like that, that was the only thing that ever happened huh yeah i don't know they always because i feel like we just didn't have the proper information like i feel like we we knew we heard that it was stronger and like everybody knew that it was lighter yeah and that's all we focused on we're yeah. just like lighter 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 and plastic pedals people are running plastics right that was at the beginning of plastics when if you remember like odyssey twisted pcs were meant for like uh stationary bikes yeah like they even the first pairs like came with a thing that was like these are for stationary bikes no way yeah wow. it came with like a little disclaimer in it <laughs> um that worked out in their favor yeah <laughs> uh but yeah the the whole titanium thing and like kevin porter was like one of the <laughs> pros he was the drug czar totally like <laughs> he was one of the pros up there for a while and i remember like everybody was like if you seen like kevin's bike like studying kevin's bike like to see what you could get in titanium and like um well he was at the forefront of that for sure yeah um but yeah it was definitely a cool time to be there rnc like, cranks yeah uh, that's i have one up there an rnc titanium sprocket wow yeah um and it's actually there's another funny story because the microdrive like 25 nine yeah like just started and i remember i was running a 36 with a guard on it and i was just like i need a guard even mm -hmm. though it's a 25 and i got like rnc made this tiny little like two bolt guard really and yeah and i got it and i had it on there and i remember like, the first day i was at woodward like showed up with like my shiny new like aitken and some kid was like do you seriously have a titanium guard on a 25 tooth sprocket and i was like yeah and he was like there's absolutely no reason for that to be on there <laughs> and i like took it off like i was so embarrassed oh, man. that i would even like bother buying this tiny little guard yeah in retrospect you're like yeah you're still gonna hit it i totally yeah. in retrospect like there is a hundred sprockets with guards on them yeah that are 25 tooth now yeah so but uh, it was also just like i think it was it just looked at as like an unnecessary piece mm -hmm. people are just like why would you have anything unnecessary on your bike at this point <laughs> yeah people were just deleting shit off their bikes trying to slow them down yeah uh stem like top caps yeah people used to just run them without yeah to save like how many grams you know ounces a people handful of quarters right people not running like dust caps yeah and it was like oh, i don't run a dust cap so so a lot of the time it was like to get their stem lower but like even back then i was like it's called a dust cap like it's there for a reason yeah you kind of <laughs> knew that you're gonna get you kinda this need that. crunchy headset <laughs> yeah oh man headsets were a pain in the dick yeah internal headsets really really helped things get smoother yeah absolutely i remember i was on that same aiken uh my buddy jesse herwitz like rolled up to my house as i was like trying to figure out how to get this headset to like stay in my frame 
I was like, it won't stay in there. I was like, I, I keep using my bearing press and it still just keeps popping out. The and my buddy, no, the bearing, like on the internal headset. Oh my God, you tried to. Totally. I was like, they need to, they need to stick in there, right? Because I was so used to pressing bearings in. Yeah. And my buddy Jesse rolled up like right as I was doing it. And he was like, dude, you just gently lay those things in there and tighten it all up. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it blew my mind that I didn't need to like hammer this thing in with a two by four, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like for, for a while, it was like when you put your bike together, it was like you were fucking killing a horse or some shit. You're just slamming shit. Seriously. Shit. And it's like any kid that rode BMX in like those days, they always had like a little two by four. That was like your bearing smasher. Like, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't even that smart when I was a kid. And yet I went into machine shop. Right. And I was like, all this titanium stuff's made expensive. I'm going to buy a block and I'm going to make stuff. And then I modeled, I like measured the specs of like an FSA pig. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to make a titanium pig headset. This shit is going to be sick. <laughs> right. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make, I'm going to make the, the tolerance real tight. Cause I'm, you know, I'm a machinist and shit's got to be real fucking nice. Yeah. I made the tolerance too tight and I had a kink defender frame. Yeah. And I remember it was so tight that I almost couldn't even put the cup in. So oh, I took geez. like a, like a grinding wheel and kind of like just like zipped a little bit off of the, off of that diameter. And I had to beat the living fuck out of these cups <laughs> into the frame. And then it came, eventually it came, it ran its course and I was gonna give the frame to somebody, but I wanted to take the cups out and keep running the cups. Right. And I literally, absolutely could not get those cups back out. But it was like you were I didn't put a block of wood on it or nothing. Right. I was just hammering on it. Yeah. Fuck. Like psh, I'm so glad we don't have to do that no more. I know. Bloop, yeah. Bloop. That's another one of those things too, like just thinking about like what you did to your bike. And like that your bike was even still running back in the day, like Yeah. Like pinching stem bolts and stuff. Like yeah. Like I remember just seeing people running pinch stems. All the time. Man. Yeah. It was common. And now it's like, I don't know, I got like three different torque wrenches back there. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't nice. imagine pinching a stem. Yeah. <laughs> you know better now. Right. Yeah. But yeah, as kids, you were just like, yeah, dude, just take it, like, pull it as hard as you can, like, tighten mm -hmm. it as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Damn. Now, um, from here... We can go from wherever, go to wherever. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you get out of college, right? Yeah. And you just got a job doing photography, or how did the bike mechanic thing kind of roll out? Um, so that's actually like funny. It started when in that same garage where Jesse Hurwitz had to tell me that I didn't need to press my internal headset bearings in. Mm. Um, it, I think that was like racing and stuff. I, I always kinda like worked on my own bike, but never really, never really thought about like how the things worked or never really had an interest in like just the mechanics of a bicycle and like how to keep it running well and how to make it run better. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's once I got the house, like once I had this space like dedicated, 
it was like I've always loved working on my bike like it's time to just get like dead serious about it and like essentially build a bike shop in my garage mm-hmm. um, which is exactly what I did and I got like just a bunch of books like just started reading on um, like actually how to fix bikes and like breaking it down to no pun intended like the nuts and bolts of it mm-hmm. um, and I think most of it is experimenting with like efficiency with like my road bike um, just getting it to run like as smooth as possible like without these... spending mad time on it kind of thing yeah, yes and no like if it's if I find a process that makes it run better faster smoother and it it's kind of arduous like Mm-hmm. If the results are there, like I'll I'll keep doing it. Yeah. Um, but I've kind of turned that into two. Like my I have a bunch of neighbors that ride, um, and telling them like, oh yeah, I did this thing to my bike, and like my, you know, my wheels are running like extra smooth, like, and then having them be like, sweet, like, let's do it, you know, like running on my bike. But also the collecting side too, uh, knowing how to get this stuff apart and like how to find that. It's the other thing is there's so many standards mm-hmm. in bikes. It's like how to find the right standards and you know how to get the right pieces for these old bikes that don't necessarily have stuff just floating around for them anymore. So it's like it's like the the know your roots thing kind of turned into like also knowing knowing your technical abilities as well yeah just taking like um taking the respect for the like just bicycles in general like to the next step Mm -hmm. um and know how to like keep them running and know how to like not pinch stems and stuff like that and um remember like people throwing flathead screwdrivers into the crack of their stem just so they could get them off Yes, I, mean, I, I was guilty. I did that too. And you would twist them so that you could get the yeah. Yeah, and then you, and then you'd have like that weird like fuck hole in the in the back of your stem. Where you're like, <laughs> yeah, I could tell you did something. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did so much dumb stuff, dude. Like just running stuff with like without grease, and, like not realizing like how bad yeah. that was. Yeah, yeah, because like you once you did something without grease and you had the experience of how bad that that experience was you learned yeah i would think yeah totally and like well that's just things like seizing i feel like things were just constantly seized when we were younger you know like oh yeah you can't you can have these cranks but you you need to use those pedals because they're just seized in there yeah my buddy like when we first started riding you know we had just kind of like janky whatever bikes mm-hmm. remember i told you he like bends cranks and he was kind of bigger, so it was like, he definitely needs new cranks. He literally cannot get away with another one-piece crank. Right, yeah. So he bought a pair of We The People cranks. You know, they're, they're nice, three-piece, kind of like profile, but they were like the oversized ones. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't know if 22 existed. Maybe it did. Yeah. But it was like the bigger arms. And I remember he called me up. He's like, dude, I can't fucking get my cranks off. I was like, well, did you put grease before, before you put it together? No. No. And he literally caved in his crank arm trying to get it off like completely flattened it out yeah because he just freaked out couldn't get him off and just oh my started god shit out. yeah that's i feel like that was like so common back in the day <laughs> it was like 
like looking back now and thinking about it, it was, it was so barbaric that you almost want to call it like the dark ages or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But it was also like the stuff back then was so much tougher mm-hmm. because everything was just way overbuilt that like it, it yeah. could handle all that. <laughs> you could have your dented in credit card and it would still run. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like today's stuff, like it's not going to take too much of that. Mm-hmm. It'll take a beating, but I mean... Yeah, you just gotta you gotta know how to work on your bike at least somewhat. I'm not saying take it to the extent where you're putting era correct grease in it. <laughs> yeah, or that like that's that's just absurd. You need to grease it, but make you know, don't use peanut butter as your grease for your headset. I've seen somebody do that before. <laughs> that's just crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even know if I want to say it's better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it completely all ran out out my dude's forks. <laughs> right. Yeah. See, the the funny thing is though, like as a collector, if I walked into a shop and the guy was like, "Oh yeah, that's like that's bicycle specific grease from 1986," I'd be like, "All right, yeah, I'll take a tub of that." You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, I'd probably still pick one up, um, but I wouldn't be like taking my bike to a show and making sure that all the yeah. The bearings were greased with 86 grease. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. So, what is your current, what is your current job status? Um, so, right now, I'm a uh, lighting designer for okay. QVC, which is like the home shopping network channel. Mm-hmm. It's not the home shopping network. I shouldn't say that. That's our direct competitor, even though we own them now. Oh, shit. Um, wow. But... Yeah, so I work for essentially a home shopping channel, and uh-huh. I do all the studio lighting. But you used to be a bike, a, like a bike mechanic for real, like at a shop. No, no, no. Oh, so as far as that goes, um, yeah, I work part time at Lowriders, which is like the shop in town, in Downingtown, um, mm. and it's essentially like I met the owner, and he knows I was just like super passionate about it, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I just started working on bikes for him, um, and that's yeah, awesome. I just I I've always liked being in bike shops, so having a part time job in one is like, it's great. It's a little extra cash, like mm-hmm. get to be around bikes all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I picked up a second job for a little bit over a year at Dick's, <laughs> and I worked in footwear. Basically, nobody knew me. Yeah. No one knew anything about me, and I liked it that way. I was right. Like, I could be whoever I want around these people. Yeah. And basically, I just kept to myself and didn't say shit. And I just was like, um, get discount shoes, pick up extra hours. That was my only real thing. Yeah. But I was right next to like the the bike setup area, and I'd every once in a while I'd see this dude working on the bike, and I'd walk over like, what's wrong with it? And he'd be like this and I was like oh did you hear about this and you know about that yeah like I wasn't trying to flex on him at all but I was just kind of trying to help and I I'd sometimes I tell him horror stories of some shit I had to deal with and so eventually word got out that I could work on bikes oh geez so then they threw me in there and I was like fucking tight like this is kind of sick like because because at a certain time of the year everybody and 
like literally everyone. It's like fucking salmon swimming upstream. Everybody's in dicks to get cleats for their kids for every yeah. sport. <laughs> right. And dicks has all the some dicks have all the shoes already out. And if there's that size isn't out, you have to run back. So basically I would bring out a box, somebody would tell me a size that wasn't out front and I'd run back, run out, run yeah. back. And that was it. So then when they put me on bikes, I was like just working on shit here and there and it's like man time goes by like super calm yeah you know sometimes you got you know any bike shop people coming in might talk your ear off or tell you a lot about something you don't necessarily want to know and you're like all right whatever but so i got to learn a little bit yeah just doing that shit so I, that was fun i mean i worked at two by four but that was more in the back end like shipping stuff right and cataloging parts and every once in a while, I work on stuff, but Palumbo was like the guy. He was the fucking dude. Man. Yeah, he really was. Yeah, it's him. and it's cool because like you, anybody can be a bike mechanic. Like, I mean, that's kind of true for anything. But anybody can be a bike mechanic if you're willing to put like the time in. Yeah. Because all of that stuff is like you just pick it up like on the fly like you run in you encounter this problem and it's like i mean if you're mechanically inclined you'll eventually figure it out. Yeah, yeah you'll eventually figure it out um whereas like i mean like cars and stuff like you need to know how to work on a car yeah there's a lot could go haywire yeah but that's why i love it because it's like such a simple machine you know yeah. that you can you can figure it out and once you get to that point where you have a pretty good understanding, like you can start doing stuff to it. That's like, I can make this even mm-hmm. better. Like with like a simple, you know, turn of a, uh, bolt or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why I love working on bikes because it's easy. It's simple. I can have 12 of them in my garage. Yeah. You know, like all the people I know getting into cars, they're like, Oh yeah, I wish I could, get a project car I have nowhere to put it mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah, I have 12 bikes in my garage <laughs> you know yeah that's awesome yeah <laughs> they are because it's like when I, wh- right before I left Dick's um, they had like moved to a different store they got more equipment more park tools equipment and yeah. they got like a park manual and because I was starting to work evenings it was kind of dead yeah never had anything to do so for one night i literally not word for word but read through the whole catalog i Mm -hmm. was like wow like once you if you read this book real good you would that's it like like you don't really need to go off that far of a deep end if you didn't want to like especially with like a bmx style bike or especially a brakeless bmx style bike yeah but when i i know um when i was helping out with them at the bikes i was like look i can i can help i know how to true wheels yeah but to be honest with you gears i i have no fucking clue and they're like don't worry about it and then so like whenever i would run into an issue they're like see this if you tighten this screw it kind of moves this way right and then I, after that i was like i was off to the races i was like oh, okay and just started dialing it in and once i learned i used to so just quick side story no yeah, yeah they would have people come through they would have a whole crate of bikes come in they would maybe i'm out in dicks here but like <laughs> they would pay labor laborers to just ransack these bikes together yeah and they weren't always great forks are on backwards sometimes yep 
sheet's not quite tight. So then what I would do when I was bored is I would just pull a bike down, go through everything, and I would throw a little bit of white lightning in the brakes, like where it comes out and where it goes in. Yeah. And people would come through and be squeezing the brake. Like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. It just made a like, night and day difference because the shit was just dry and hanging there. But that's – and that's exactly like – what I mean, like if you, if you take the time to give a shit. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like like you can make a bike run perfectly, mm -hmm. um, because like you said, like it's really not it's not that difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny. I mean, it's funny that you're talking about it because I that's where I started. Okay, you started out of dicks. Yeah. Oh, so shit. I wanted to work on bikes, but I was working full time like during the day. Um, and I was like, I, there's no bike shop that's open when I get off work, mm -hmm. except Dick's was like down the street. Yeah. And I was like, cool, I'll just do like an hour or two there after work. Um, so I, yeah, that's how I started working on bikes. And it was like, it's funny going from like department store quality bikes yeah. to like legit, like nice, like bike shop bikes. Yeah. Because you realize too, that there's a different way to work on a really like performance driven bike yeah. than there is on something that a guy's buying for $400 at Dick's Sporting Goods. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like hydraulic brakes, disc brakes, all that shit. Well, that's like, like indexing gears, like you were talking about, like yeah. uh, you can teach anybody how to index some gears, but like to get those things running like a freaking Swiss watch, yeah. like it takes, that's, that's, takes a little extra. That's exactly. Like, yeah. That's, so like yeah like you can do it but it's it's like you just gotta you can you can make it a little bit better but to make the like you said to make it run like a swiss watch mm -hmm. it just takes takes a little bit more knowledge yeah and that's it's just like it's just being somewhat passionate about it you know what i mean like just taking that extra time to be like like i love getting people's gears to shift like silk you know yeah. like um, it's like landing a trick because you're it's like a little bit of a rewarding process. A totally, bit. and to even take it one step further, it's like it's like landing a trick like perfectly. Right. You're like, dude, I just stomped that. Like, try and talk shit on how bad these these gears move right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> try. Right. Go ahead. Let me hear you. Um, but yeah, those guys. It's funny that you're talking about like the laborers that come in and build. Like, those are the same people. And this is why I tell people constantly. I'm like, you're better off buying a Schwinn from the 60s than you are a department store bike. Because those department store bikes, like, they're the same people that build the grills that are outside. Yeah. Are, like, building your bicycle. Like, yeah. you realize how dangerous that is. Yeah. Like, you're, if your kid's riding, like, a department store bike, and they're, like, bombing some hill, and this guy didn't tighten the stem, like, your kid's going to get broke off. Or didn't tighten the brake cable. Yes. Holy. Like, I don't think people realize that when you're buying, like, that $70 bike at Walmart, like, you've just bought a death trap. Mm -hmm. um, because they're constantly in at the bike shop, and people are like, I bought it for $70 at Walmart. And we're like, yeah, we know. Like, it's a piece of garbage. <laughs> they, they, they just want a new wheel, and you're like, nah, you need a whole bike. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. we there was a bike in recently, and it was like, um, they needed a new wheel. And, like, I'm sure that the wheel that they could have replaced... Um, on this bike was as much as the bike. Wow. 
And it's like if you would have just bought a half decent bike at first, it wouldn't be in here two months after you bought it. Yeah, you'd be you'd be in here in six months for grips. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, buy nice or buy twice. Yeah. It's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's going right back to that. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. So speaking of, of young kids, you know, riding on bikes. Mm -hmm. You have a son. Yeah. Ty. Yeah. How old is he? Uh, he's coming up on three in June. Wow. Yeah. So is so is he pushing around on the, yeah. the strider? So yeah, as funny as it is, we actually have matching uh, oh, shit. We actually have matching Haro Masters. Wow. I just noticed that. So when Haro re released the uh, eighty six master um, that I have up there, they did the push bike as well. And Ty was like I think Ty was like six months old at the time, like nowhere close to riding that bike. Yeah. But I was like, I have to get one for Ty and myself. Because that was, the 86 was always like my dream bike. And to own an original 86 is mm -hmm. like, it's like owning a Stradivarius. You know what I mean? I don't know oh, if anybody is... gets that. <laughs> it's a terrible <laughs> reference to make on a BMX pod. It's like a super rare violin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, yeah so, to own an, so to own an 86 is like impossible mm -hmm. um so they re-released that one with like the modern geometry which is perfect for what i want to do with it and this the strider at the same time so now ty and i literally go out and cruise around the cul-de-sac on like the same bikes that's awesome man. yeah i got him a number plate and everything did it come the number plate come no no the number plate actually is for a strider oh that's so um, sick so it didn't it didn't necessarily fit properly on there yeah but we made it work but uh yeah he's gonna start racing this summer in Pottstown. what yeah wow they have like little strider races there is it like on dirt or something yeah it's on the track but they just do um they do the last turn so they do the uh second to last straight mm -hmm. the last turn and then the final straight damn yeah it's pretty sweet um but that's one of those things like I'm definitely going to try and lead him down like a BMX path, but he gets to a point and he's like, I don't know, BMX isn't my thing. Like, I'm not going to be upset about it. Yeah, like if he decides to do rock climbing or anything. Dude, that's I said to, I was like, he could come in one day and be like, you know, I think my thing is interpretive dance, <laughs> you know? And honestly, I'm going to be like, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Just like, put your heart into it. Yeah. As like as you find a thing. Yeah, I just want him to be psyched on it. Mm -hmm. Um granted like if it's if he's psyched on a bmx bike that's even better yeah but whatever he does like i just want him to be psyched on it yeah that's yeah. crazy yeah it's awesome though like i wasn't expecting like i you really can't say like you're oh man you're gonna about to have a son like you're gonna have the most amazing human connection like you've ever had in your life like people just don't you can't grasp that mm -hmm. until it happens but yeah now like going out and riding with him and like he just recently started like picking up his feet oh right and like really like balancing on the thing and i mean he's like two and a half years old yeah um and that's like feeling like that pride that you feel just like watching your son like progress on a bmx bike already because yeah, did i don't think strider bikes existed when we were younger they when did we were kids no it was it was straight up like training wheels, mm -hmm. and that was and it. 
yeah, training meals are like the most detrimental thing you can do to getting your kid on the path to a, uh, a two-wheeled bike. Um, and I think it's mostly because like Ty's crashed on that thing like a hundred times, mm-hmm. you know, and on training wheels, like you're most likely not going to crash. So like the thing you're worried about at first is you're like, oh my God, like I don't have no training wheels, like I'm going to crash. But like Ty already knows that like the crash isn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Like, he's done it a hundred times and never gotten that hurt. <laughs> Damn. And, and so like with him kind of picking that up at such a young age, he's going to be inclined no matter what. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be inclined in balance. Yeah. Did you hear about like, uh, I think it was the Rob Darden Rob Darden on the rollback and he was talking about like the people that China is putting on their team they're just looking for people who have spatial awareness like gymnasts and shit really yeah so like they're like you you got spatial awareness you ride bike now oh wow yeah no I, didn't I think know the that. people are, are choosing to do that instead of like the gymnast shit that they were doing yeah so like they have like that Logan Martin like I know where I am even if I'm upside down kind of thing right so it's like whatever skill you can kind of build on at such a young age, whether or not he decides to go into riding, you're kind of leading him that way anyway, you know? Yeah. Like he's going to he's gonna be the best rider out of probably his group of friends. Maybe everybody's got strider bikes, so everybody's going to be equal. But, yeah. But you know what I mean? Totally. And um, the other thing, too, is like if – because a lot of the time BMX racing is a stepping stone into other kind of racing. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most important, like, lessons that I learned from racing and from, like, being, like, a somewhat competitive cyclist is, like, just going out on, like, a training ride or, um, you know, a a race or something, like a big, like, two-hour race, whatever. Like, at some point during that race, like, it's going to be, like, super hard. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to want to be anywhere but that race yeah but it's like you just you have to finish it you have to get through it because you know like it's not it's not gonna last forever yeah you know you just got to get to the end of that race or the end of that training ride um and i think that's like a super important lesson because like anything in life you know what i mean like just a normal eight hour shift at your job like at some point you're gonna be like i don't want to be doing this job anymore like no matter what I mean you could be an astronaut you know what I mean and you're yeah. gonna be like man I wish I was on earth again yeah <laughs> seriously yeah so like getting to that point in something that you love like cycling and knowing that you can just push past it and like I mean everything's cool at the end of it yeah I think is like a huge lesson same with like racing you know like he's not gonna win right out of the gate mm-hmm. like and that's huge you know, yeah. you could win, like, you put some work in, or, like, do this, like, just yeah. trying to get, like, some little extra, a little edge. Yeah, it's like, when you discovered BMX, it kind of helped mold you, and being able to, to pass that down to him, even at a younger age, he's able to pick up, you know, just from the cycling and, and racing aspect of it, like, not, not everybody's gonna win. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You're not always going to want to do it, or you're not always going to want to finish it, but it's like you're getting through these kind of, like, staticky moments. Yeah. Getting them out of the way, so then he's kind of, he's going to be more adept, like, you know. That kind of leads into, like, the other part of 
BMX and like where I am with BMX now, mm -hmm. because having a son that could potentially ride BMX, mm -hmm. um, I feel like our area, the area that I'm in, is not at all like trying to help that. Mm -hmm. um, like we have a skate park that I mean isn't big. It's some. It's better than having nothing at all. But at the same time, like I feel like there's no real support for action sports around here. And my biggest gripe with that is like there's, you know, 600 soccer fields in Chester County. Mm -hmm. It's like, how many soccer fields do we need? Like you guys can't give us one half decent skate park? Yeah, especially with how much money's floating around this place. That's like, what I this mean. This area of the, of the state. Yeah. Um, and it's, it just bugs me, but now kind of like taking that stance of like the dad and somebody that doesn't really get to ride that much mm -hmm. um, but someone that could potentially make a, a difference in the community as far as action sports yeah like now you have the chance to go to a town meeting and, and change shit mm -hmm. and and kind of come from um, from a place of having done it uh, and that's one of my biggest arguments is I've spent hundreds possibly like thousands of dollars you know like traveling for bmx yeah probably thousands of dollars traveling for bmx riding different skate parks in different towns like how many times have we driven to like louisville you know what i mean like louisville for i feel like a lot of the people from our area louisville is like the first stop if you're going south mm -hmm. um but i mean like you build a huge skate park you're going to get a huge crowd of people to come ride it yeah. No one's coming from out of town to ride our tiny little skate park. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's, it's just like, a band-aid for the bullet wound kind of thing. Exactly. And it's like if you want, because it's all about money. So it's like if you want to start bringing some money in, you got to make something worth the drive. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of the, you know, the people pushing the soccer fields instead of skate parks are the people that don't understand where the money's coming from. Like, we build you a million-dollar skate park. Like, how do we get that money back? Mm -hmm. Like, that thing's packed every day with those kids going to Wawa or the pizza shop. Or, like, mm -hmm. that's how the money comes back in. The convenience stores, everything. Yeah, because it's right next to, like, that area is huge. There's a ton of space. Um, and it's like, you build something that's going to get more than 11 people able to ride it at a time. Yeah. You're going to make some money off of it. Yeah. It's, it's a long-term investment. Yeah, and I, I don't think they see that because they just see, like, 11 kids there now. And it's like, it can only hold 11 kids, <laughs> you know? There's not going to be people waiting in lines to take runs at this yeah. tiny skate park. I was going to say, 11 kids maybe standing still and a few riding. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I that's kind of, like, my next step in BMX is taking, like, the, the dad role and kind of becoming like a, a squeaky wheel for action sports in the area that's cool yeah because I, I don't think anybody else is doing it and you would think there would be somebody in this area but maybe that maybe that's, that's you but i i think it might be and i think um i the troops need to be rallied mm -hmm. i think yeah. they're all out there but they're living in a bubble and they don't think anybody else is fired up about it mm -hmm. but as soon as they figure it out like oh yeah like my kid skates and he has nowhere to do it i'm fired up about it yeah i'm joining the movement here Damn. so yeah 
and that's something that that again just my responsibility that i feel like i can give back to not even just bmx just action sports again because it's done so much for me like you gotta you gotta put something back yeah um so yeah yeah totally uh and i mean we'll see where it leads but hopefully honestly even if it leads to just like another little expansion Mm -hmm. you know and then i keep going and another little expansion like i'll be happy with that yeah because yeah it's there's so many concrete skate parks all over like colorado has one like every fucking 10 miles damn really yeah it's like that dense yeah when i was out there it was like um i forget who said it somebody said it best as you passed four you pass four skate parks to go to one skate park <laughs> like you're literally driving past like world-class skate parks to get to this one world-class skate park that you wanted to go to you're literally going there just for like a specific kind of transition setup or something yeah yeah totally like oh this one place has like this really cool little bowl feature in the back we'll mm-hmm. go to that place mm-hmm. and it's like when i was out there we didn't go to everywhere we could have gone to within just like an hour radius like a one hour radius of here you have like four options yeah in harrisburg there's not even anything within an hour radius that's yeah it's crazy and so when the steelton park popped up it was like yes yes something right and it's we're driving to baltimore we're driving to philly and that's what i'm saying like you're you're kicking the money out of the county out of your area yeah um and it's just like, yeah, the people that are in charge don't realize that the money's even there. Mm-hmm. And it's like skateboarding's a billion-dollar industry. Like, where do you think the money's going? And the age group is only, only becoming wider mm-hmm. with people like us in our thirties who are still into it. We we still want to ride. We still want to do stuff. Right. We're gonna ride until our legs fall off, which means you know, I might pick up a, a bottle of water on my way in mm-hmm. to you know destination xyz you most yeah most likely do like we stop at sheets every time we're going to york you know like yeah. or wherever and that's where i mean the money's going to trickle in at first but that's where the money's coming from mm-hmm. when you have 150 people at louisville park you know what i mean yeah like they're eating and doing stuff any, any somewhere given day. yeah like that place is so big right um and that's like the other thing too is we were talking about scooters earlier Mm -hmm. and as far as this goes like the money coming from it like scooters are a vital part of that ecosystem Mm -hmm. because you think about um like it's a lot of like younger kids like younger kids got their parents toting them around you know like Mm -hmm. buying them lunch and stuff afterwards and like the younger kids too like their parents are going to be like my kid needs a place to ride his scooter Mm mm-hmm you know so as much as i feel like scooters are like hated on they're an absolutely necessary part of getting stuff done mm-hmm. you know because regardless if you don't want them there or not like it's their bodies filling yeah. up a skate park yeah and even if even if you're a bike rider and you're looking at scooters like fuck why is he even here i fucking hate scooters all that shit yeah it's like that's a potential bike rider that's a potential person helping make, helping put money into back into BMX at yeah. one point. That's uh, I you talk about like Charm City Skate Park, mm-hmm. like all those people like 
if there's a hundred scooter riders there and two BMX riders, like the BMX riders are the minority. The BMX riders have almost done nothing to keep that skate park open. Right. It's all the moms bringing their kids with scooters in mm-hmm. that are keeping that skate park open. And like as much as you don't like them, like you need to realize that is that's a part of keeping action sports alive and well. Yeah. It's it's like I think this the easiest way to think of it is almost like it's the gateway the gateway uh, wheeled device into BMX, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, and honestly, even if it's not, like, even if they end up being just, like, a scooter rider. Yeah. Like, more power to them. I've never understood, like, the hate on anything in the action sports world, whether it be rollerblades or scooters or skateboards. Um, because, like, we're all doing the same thing. And like I said... If there's a, a mutual respect there and the person has skate park etiquette and then you guys aren't, you know, killing each other because you keep hitting each other, you know, yeah. like, then what? I, there's no issue. Yeah. There's literally no issue. My experience with scooters, with scooter people in general, I shouldn't say kids because I've seen young, young adults mm-hmm. on scooters is like nine times out of ten, they're kind of psyched on the bike stuff. Yeah. Like they're kind of trying to emulate it in their way. Right. Kind of thing. And um, that's a, this guy I ride with, uh, Rob, one of my buddies, um, he is, like, very well-versed in, like, all of action sports. Like, mm-hmm. that, that mutual respect is, like, so strong with him. Um, and it's, like, I feel like a lot of the time scooter riders and just people that don't necessarily do your activity mm-hmm. aren't given that chance, you know? Yeah. I live uh, right across the street from a, a fire station, as you may have figured out. <laughs> um, so I'm surprised you didn't hear my dog howling. My dog howls like a wolf when she hears sirens. Huh. It's pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, so I think, I think it's 2019 and all of this, like... You don't do what I do. Hate needs to end. Yeah. We're all using the skate park together. It's been a while since I even felt bad vibes from a skateboarder, but... I, I feel like I always... I feel like I I look for the bad vibes. Like, I feel <laughs> like I know they're there. Like, I feel like if I just, like, kept myself and, like, did my own thing and just rode... Yeah. Like, I wouldn't notice it. But I'm always expecting someone to be, like, shitty. Uh-huh. So it's almost like I'm like attracting the negativity. I gotta stop doing that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I now I've been noticing too when people are like, like today that kid at the skate park, the yeah. scooter rider. Yeah. Like when you're like, dude, you're ripping. You know, like I I wonder if he hears that often from people that aren't on a scooter. Yeah. Um. He almost had a like a yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he did. He did. Have, he was a little cocky about it. Um, uh. But yeah, like at the same time, like I, I encountered a, a rollerblader mm-hmm. at York recently. Wow. And I was like, dude, I was like, that's awesome. Like you don't see rollerbladers anymore. Yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, thanks, man. Like, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just stoked that I like that he was being noticed. I think you know. Yeah. Because it's like I. Th- think the negativity like almost like 
is responsible for the death of that sport. Yeah. Like, rollerblading is so core now. Like, you hardly see anybody doing it. But, like, if you look, there's still people doing it, and they're still, like, ripping. Mm -hmm. And they're mega passionate about it because they're the ones left. Yeah. But it's, like, all that stuff, like, that sport, like, that was huge. You know, like, I have a a movie up there. Like, a freaking Hollywood movie was made about rollerblading. Airborne. Yes. Yeah. Like one, of my, Airborne. one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. Same. Seth Green got, yeah. had, the, had the bike with the mags. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that sport was huge. And I, I feel like it's like negativity and like just bad vibes that like are responsible for the death of that sport. Yeah. In retrospect, it's like other than the fact that you can't eject out of the skates that easy, like you can a skateboard or a bike. Mm-hmm. What else is the difference? There, yeah, there is none. Like, yeah. they, I've seen rollerbladers that can, like, seriously, like, flow a concrete park and, like, do, like, these crazy, like, tech rail tricks. And it's, like, I enjoy watching it. Yeah. And, like, I feel like if you're, like, that stuck up about your sport that you're just, like, fuck them. Like, I don't care if they're super good, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, just don't want to be hate. around you, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's just a bitter, salty thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, that's unfortunately, I think like we do still scare the share the skate park with people that are like that. Yeah. But you're gonna have that anywhere. It's just what we were talking about. Yeah. Tell those people to go get a model train. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best thing to say. <laughs> I'm gonna use that sometime. I'll give you credit when I use it too. <laughs> Why don't you go fucking build a model train? Get on my face. <laughs> Well, shit, man. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna go over? Anything any else you had on had on your mind? I don't think so, man. I, this was awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, again, I appreciate the opportunity. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, where can people find you? Because I know you got a couple Instagram accounts, and one of them is, I think it's Know Your Roots BMX. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Know Your Roots BMX is like a '80s inspired, um, just kind of trying to get like little factoids about like. 80s BMX and throw them out there and then um, Second Nature BMX on Instagram. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, dude. Stoked. Thanks Thanks again. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Shout out to all the other podcasts out there. You guys are all doing cool stuff. I appreciate hearing everybody's stories. Keep doing the good work. Um, as for next week, I'm not sure what I'm going to have just yet, but... Uh, We'll see. So see you guys when I see you.